Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And man, I'm thankful because I've had my Valentine for 27 years. And, uh, this, this month, if we don't get out of here, if the Lord don't get us before then, uh, this month it'll be 27 years married. And we're thankful for what God's done. Been 27 of the best years of my life. I promise you that. So thankful for the Lord today. God's good to us. Uh, have your Bibles, Joshua 19. We're going to keep talking about good old Dan. Talked last week about Dan had purpose, born out of not the most ideal circumstances, but his father speaking over him as he began to leave this world said that he would judge his people as, as one of the tribes of Israel. He, he's included even though he was born out of a scheme and uh, out of a plan. It doesn't matter if God's got purpose for you. How you got here doesn't matter. The avenue that got you to this place, that's not important. It's what God's got for you. God has purpose for all of us. We talked about that last week. And so today we're going to talk about uh, Dan's promise. And Joshua said this uh, in Joshua 19 and 47 48. It says, And the coast of the children of Dan went out too little for them. What this is actually saying is that uh, Dan failed to take hold of their possession. When it says that it went out too little for them, they failed to drive out uh, the inhabitants that were there, and so they were going to have to settle for something else. Uh, therefore, the children of Dan went up. Let me rephrase that. It's not they were going to have to settle for something else. They decided to settle for something else. And that's a very big difference. Therefore, the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem, and they took it, smote it with the edge of the sword, and possessed it, and dwelt therein, and then called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan their father. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families, these cities with their villages, and today we talk about Dan's promise. Let's pray for our lesson today. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for the promises that you've given us in our life. Great, exceeding, precious promises. Lord, today help us to possess the things that you have given us. Lord, we have purpose. We have promise. Lord, let us live up to that today. Help this word find good ground in our heart. Encourage us with it. Strengthen us by it. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give him one more hand clap of praise. God's a great God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. I want you to know you've got promise. Just like God did with Dan, God has a promise for each one of us that we must possess. He loads us daily with benefits, no doubt. But there are promises that we uh, have that uh, are ours, but we have to possess it. We have to go get it. Just like I've mentioned this so many times, um, the miracle of manna is promised. God said it's going to rain manna. It's going to be there. This is how it'll happen. You'll wake up in the morning, look out of your tent, it'll be there. But it'll never rain manna in your tent. Mm -mm. It'll never rain manna in your bowl. You'll have to go out and possess it. You'll go get it. You'll go gather it. Uh, so you could starve to death staring at the promise. With, you could starve to death while other people are eating of it. 
each one. Uh, you can't live off. Oh, look at the promises of God are to everybody. They were to the whole tribe of Israel. And you could starve to death while somebody else is stuffing their face. Because you can't live off somebody else getting their promise. Well, you better come on now. Get on in here this morning. Hey, listen, there's too many people today want to live vicariously through other people. <laughs> you want to live off somebody else's anointing, off somebody else's blessing, off somebody else's prayer life. It ain't going to work like that. That, may encourage, that might encourage you and help you, and it could even strengthen you some, but you got to get your own. Because God didn't say, I'll give them a promise and they can share it with you. And y'all can, you know, it, it ain't like, well, hey, look, the Holy Ghost is going to take us out of here. But you don't get to hold on to nobody who don't have it and take them with you. If you're holding hands with somebody without it, they're going to look around and wonder where you went. We've got to get it, the promises unto you, to your children, all who are far off. But hey, guess what? I can't give it to you. It only comes from him. You can't receive it from me. You can't receive it from anybody else. You're going to receive it from the Lord. And if people would just seek it, it's so, oh, that promises to so many people and so many people are without it. Wow. And have, 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 have deceived themselves into believing because they hang around with people who are filled with the Spirit that now they are. That's not even in the lesson. I'm just trying to tell you. Uh, it, it's great to be around people who are embracing the promise. It's wonderful to have promise-filled people in your life, but you should be a promise-filled person on your own because God meant you to have it as well. And uh, so what we are talking about with Dan is that we know that God gave him purpose in his life when uh, he was born, uh, again, born under not-so-ideal circumstances, a family dynamic that was just uh, you know, very dysfunctional. Um, his mother had... Um, uh, uh, gave birth to him under the, the little scheme that Rachel had cooked up. And uh, his own birth mother did not even name him. It was Rachel that took him and named him as a judge, uh, Dan, which means a judge, uh, that because she felt like ju God had judged righteously in her situation and had made up her barrenness by giving a child through her handmaid. Uh, but it still wasn't her child. And it was a way that uh, she, she tried to, she couldn't wait on God. She got impatient. So she said, uh, let's take another route. And but that's not Dan's fault. And just because Dan was born into the world under things that were not maybe God's will does not mean that God can't say, still I'll use him. And still I'll give him purpose. And so no matter what uh, our past may have held for us and what it may have done in us, we still uh, have purpose in God's eyes. And so now that Dan has purpose, uh, we find out that God has also given Dan, along with the other tribes, promise, the promised land. He said, I'll take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. And uh, just think about how Joshua, being the new leader, must have felt when they, they crossed a flooded Jordan River on dry ground. The very first obstacle is Jericho, and God just wins a tremendous victory by causing those walls to drop to the ground. And, and then uh, they run into a little bump with Ai, but then they overcome that and get the victory. Then it's victory after victory after victory after victory. And in Joshua, you have 17 chapters of Israel possessing the promise of God. They're getting there, man. They're, they're really moving. They're going on. And then... 
Uh, but when you get to chapter 18, you find some stuff that's not really uh, like it should be. You would think that now with all the victory that they've been having, that they would have everything that God wanted them to have. But guess what they don't? And it's not God's fault. It's, let me tell you, it's never God's fault if we don't have what he intends for us to have. Can I tell you that today? So we get 17 chapters of Israel possessing, 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 and we think, well, they're on a good roll, but then uh, Joshua, they've been here all this time, and Joshua begins to notice that there's something else going on, that uh, they have been fighting. They, the people were tired, and they, and they just they wanted things to be done. They wanted everything, but, man, they were just fell into this place of complacency. And in uh, chapter 18, the first three verses, you'll find Joshua about to address Israel, and it says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh, set up the tabernacle of the congregation, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said, How long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? How long are you going to neglect to take care of business that God has given you so you can have these promises? God gave a portion of land to each of the 12 tribes that uh, would be theirs forever. In 17 chapters, we get uh, uh, all these tribes, five of the tribes getting down to business, taking what's theirs, winning their victories. It says that the land was subdued before them, but every enemy was not completely vanquished. There were still uh, problems that they would have uh, with the, the Canaanites and, and the, the, with the Amorites, different ones that were still... Uh, in that part of the country that they would still have to battle. There was still a fight to be won. Uh, but Dan was one of the seven that had not yet possessed the land. It was given to him. When you look back to where God first tells Moses, I'm going to give the land, he already says in that promise, he didn't just tell him, I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. He begins to name every one of those people and lets him know, I'm going to take care of every single one of them for you. That there won't be any one of them that can stand before you. I'm going to take care of all of them. It was already given. Long before they ever crossed the river, God had already said, this is the promise. The land will be yours. The cities, the vineyards, the villages, the houses, everything that's there. You didn't build it. You didn't plant it. But you're going to eat of it. You're going to live in it. It's going to be yours. And they could not believe uh, it was uh, maybe they thought it was too good to be true. I don't know, but they could not believe that God was actually giving them. Even after Jericho, man, if Jericho falls before your eyes, what in the world could you possibly be worried about now? Man, what a victory! Uh, you ever study Jericho and look at the size of the walls and what what a feat it was that just by being obedient, this city came to its knees. Uh, God let the walls fall down flat. And uh, you know what God told him about Jericho? He said, it's straightly shut up before you. He said, but I have given you, and he began to say, name the kings and the different things. He said, I'm giving you that, but they were on the other side of the wall. But they got them just like God made, he said, if I've given you what's on the other side of the wall, I'll move the wall. 
And that's what he did. And they had the promise. They received the promise. They had to go possess the promise. They had to walk around that, that, that city for those seven days and seven times on the seventh day. They had to shout when it was time to shout, lift up the trumpets and, and do all the things that God said before they could have it. But it was up to them to possess it. Once God said it was theirs, it was theirs, but they could have decided to walk away. God had already told them about the promised land when they decided, ain't no way we're going in there. We're like grasshoppers in that land. We'll be squished. There's no way we're going. They, they turned their back and wandered 40 years, and for 40 years, their promised land went uninhabited by them because they refused to possess it. And that's, that's, uh, uh, they had purpose, and they had a promise, but they didn't possess it. Uh, it's not enough for me to just have the promise. I want to possess the promise. Uh, I, I want to occupy what God has given me. And what was going on in this time uh, now is that the land was subdued before them, but because they had slacked, and that's what uh, he said, how long will you slack to go and possess this promise that God's given you? They got slack that the enemy had time to move back into places they had already conquered. Oh, isn't it bad when we win so many victories and then we get complacent and we let the, we let the enemy move back into the territory that we've already won. We've already made great strides in that area. We, we, we by the promise of God, we, we have overcome and, and been victorious. And then, oh, but this is the, the thing that God warned them of. He said, you be careful when you get in that land that you didn't have to do anything. I fought the battles. I, I won these victories. You be careful lest you forget me. You know, you know, when you need to pray hardest is after we have a Holy Ghost blowout service on Sunday. Quit trying to coast to, to next week on, one, on Sunday service because you know what's going to happen? You, you, you're so sure of yourself on Monday, you can't figure out how you just made that mistake. How did I just do this on Monday when I just experienced this on Sunday? Let me tell you, when you win a victory on Sunday, praise God for it, but you better get down and pray on Monday that you don't forget what it took to get that victory. Hang on to the, possess the promise. Don't just say, I, I got something good on Sunday. Now, what happened to me on Monday? You was trying to ride the waves, what you was trying to do. It, it, it ain't about riding waves. It's about living every day in the promise, walking every day in the promise that God has for us. And so Joshua sees this. Uh, we've won all these victories and people have gotten complacent and now these enemies are sneaking back into the land they used to own. They're, they're getting back in place, getting another foothold. So he rebuked them and said, how long are you going to neglect? Bible tells me that how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? All, all they had to do was not do nothing and the enemy just come right back in. We think we beat him one time. I ain't got to mess with him again. You know what? He's going to come back. You better be ready to fight any day, every day if you have to, but you better be ready because he don't stop. Praise God. As long as, and you know what? As long as you live in this body, you'll fight this flesh every day. Hello, every day. You'll, there'll be something trying to get your flesh to fall every day. Walk in the spirit. Praise God. So these seven tribes were kind of getting a whooping in front of everybody. The other five tribes like, oh, what y'all waiting on? We got ours. What are y'all doing? So, uh, they begin to set these boundaries for each one of the cities. And Dan's promised, uh, you read it in Joshua uh, 19, 40 through 48, uh, it was bordered on the west by the Mediterranean. It went north to Joppa. 
near the boundaries of the tribe of Manasseh. They shared an eastern border where Ephraim and Benjamin and Judah extended to the south and the east, but in the southwest was where their problem was. The Philistines uh, were there, always a problem for Israel, and then the Amorites also lived in that region. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's an enemy there because God had already said, I'm going to give you victory over these people. And Dan had enough manpower to subdue these nations. You know that Dan was the second largest uh, military force that Israel had right behind Judah. Um, or, yeah, just behind Judah. They had 64,000, according to the census that Moses took, 64,400 men that were of military age, and that was the second largest fighting force in Israel. But it's not even about numbers because uh, we knew that the Scripture said it's not a big deal for God to save by much or by little. It doesn't matter. He can take one. Man, he, he sent Saul's son and his armor bearer into the camp, and they defeated the, the, that whole garrison of, of soldiers. Uh, just those men. He, look what Samson did, just him by himself with the Lord on his side. So it's not a, really even about the numbers, but if they were thinking, you know, uh, maybe we're not big enough to do it, well, you were. You're the second largest fighting force that Israel has, and more than that, you've got God on your side. And if God be for us, hey, that didn't just come to pass in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, if God be for us, who's going to be against us? Go get your promise. Listen, uh, Dan possessed great, great potential, and Moses recognized that. He said this about Dan before he passed. He, he began to pronounce things over the tribes, and he said this about Dan in Deuteronomy 33 and 22. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. Uh, uh, hey, if you're going to get compared to an animal, why not a lion? And, of course, a, lion, a lion's whelp, of course, a lion's cub, but a cub grows into a full-grown lion. Uh, and maybe the cub is uh, to, so he could uh, kind of recognize Dan's beginning. He, he had a very humble beginning, and he started out small, uh, but God had purpose in him anyway. And uh, Dan, uh, you know, Jacob recognized the potential that uh, Dan had by saying that uh, Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. He was named a judge by his mother even at that birth. So even in the most, un, not even the best of circumstances, Dan's purpose came out through his name, through what God was going to do with him. And then he finds himself as one of the tribes of Israel and has promised land to him, to his family, to his generations forever from God. Wow. Purpose, promise. Purpose is wonderful if you fulfill it. The promise is wonderful if you'll go get it. But, but it don't do any good if you don't do anything with it. These prophecies that were spoken over Dan would, most of, would be uh, fulfilled in the life of Dan's ancestors. We mentioned this uh, last week, notably Samson. Samson served as a judge of Israel for 20 years. But before he was conceived, an angel, you know, came and told his mother, he will be a Nazarite from the womb. And how that uh, he, his son would begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines, those enemies that he had, that Israel had, that Dan had, these Philistines. Uh, Samson would be there to deliver them. He was born with a promise. He possessed incredible potential. The scripture says he grew and the Lord blessed him 
And then the Spirit of the Lord would move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. And not long after that, we find Samson just ripping a line in half like a kid. Just a, a little hint of what he would do to the enemies. And uh, he, he, he had a problem, though. He was called. He was blessed from the womb. He had promise. He had potential. He had all these things. He had purpose. He was a judge in that land. But he still had a problem. He lacked self-discipline that it required to obtain the fullness of God's promise and harness that great potential that God had blessed him with because uh, he, he could kill lions with his bare hands, but he couldn't overcome temptation. He, couldn't, he, he could kill a thousand uh, uh, enemies with the, the jawbone of a donkey, but he could not resist temptation. His romance with Delilah, it ended in disaster. It cut his ministry short. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, people who judged, you will read that they judged or they ruled 40 years. You see that over and over. Then they ruled 40 years, 40 years, 40 years. So he ruled 20. It's like his ministry, his lifespan was cut in half. I don't, I don't want to cut my ministry in half because I don't have enough discipline to, to go forward for the promise. And so Samson's story reminds us that although we may have received promises or we possess great potential, it still takes faithful obedience to God uh, to see that promise and potential fulfilled. Samson's whole life can be summed up in this question, what might have been? What could Samson have done, a man that was so mighty and mightily used by God? What could he have done just if, if he had have stayed away from Delilah, if he had have just uh, kept that Nazarite vow, if he had have just been what God had called him from for the womb? You know, I, th those steps are ordered of God. I know that. I know our steps are ordered of the Lord, but uh, Samson got out. Even when our steps are ordered, we can get off God's path. He did find a place at the end where he asked God to remember him, and it says in his death he slew more of the enemy than he had uh, previous in that. I don't know how many people was in that building because, man, he killed a lot of people while he was alive. But it said at the end that, but it, you know what it cost him? His life. And there ain't many people willing to just sacrifice everything just to get back where they need to be with God. They want to get back. They'd love to get back, but everybody's not willing to make that sacrifice where I'll just, I'll, I'll get back to where I need to be, but it's going to cost me everything. I believe Samson was back where he needed to be with the Lord. I believe he was right there at that end time. He's, he's listed in, in those heroes of faith. I believe that, uh, but it cost him everything he had right there at the end. And so the account of, uh, for, for Dan uh, was that he had promise and great potential, but they also had a problem. By the time we uh, get to Joshua 18, where they've been in that promised land so long, they had still not obtained the promise that was supposed to be theirs. Uh, Joshua rebuked them for that and, uh, and their failure. For Why aren't you taking what God said is yours? You know, sometimes we, we're preaching about that. Sometimes we'd like to tell people, say, why won't you just come up here and receive the Holy Ghost? You know you need it. It's in the Bible. You need to have it. Why won't you just come and be baptized in his name and have your sins washed away? You know you need to do it. We try to be real cautious. We don't want to hurt people or call them out, embarrass them. We, we, you know, the Bible says the goodness of God leads people to repentance if they let it. 
See, I say being led, you have to be led. So the goodness of God is saying come this way, but it's up to us whether we walk that way. The goodness of God does not drag you to repentance. And it does not push you to repentance. It leads you. Come on, let's go this way. Just looking at God's goodness, I'm going right to, bam, to the altar. I'm going to pray. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to that water. I'm going to have my sins washed away in Jesus' name because I want my sins gone. Well, I, I, I keep starting teaching on baptism right in the middle of this lesson. Uh, but, but uh, you know, I think if people really understood, if they, if, they, if they would give more credence to what baptism actually is, people would be getting baptized every time they walked in and felt the Spirit of God. Because uh, thinking that they don't, most people do not believe it's necessary. And if you don't see it as necessary, I promise you, if you'll study it a little bit more, you will. You will. And so I, I'm going to move on because I don't want to get caught on that. May I'll teach you on that here soon. But um, Dan, uh, the account of Dan, the tribe of Dan, uh, shows us that the promises and potential are nice, but eventually we have to fight sometimes to bring them into reality. The promise was there. They still had to go to battle. Why couldn't you just snap, Lord, and make them all disappear? Because this ain't a Marvel movie. That's why. You can't just, everybody disappear. That's not how it works. Wouldn't that be nice? We never had to draw the sword. We just walk into the land. Boom, there we are. Nobody's here. Just, Lord, why don't you just, just just whisk them out of existence. We could just went in because God knows that we need the battle sometimes. Hey, he knows when you don't need the battle. When he first brought them out of Egypt, he said, I can't take them this way because if they see war right now, they're too young in it. They can't handle it right now. God knows when you can handle the battle. He knows when you can stand the fight. And if you can't, you won't have to do it. But sometimes he's going to need you to draw your sword. You're wearing the full armor of God for a reason because you're a soldier in the army. And sometimes he's going to go before you and you're just going to say, wow, I didn't have to do nothing. But sometimes you're going to have to fight the battle to possess the promise. People can point us in the right direction, but it is up to us to see the promise and the purpose fulfilled. It's not enough for us to just speak it out and think, there you go. You've got to have that. You've got to go get that. You can't just, it's not just going to jump on you and wrestle you to the ground and, and attach itself to you and say, there, I'm here. No, you're going to have to be like uh, Jacob and wrestle with that angel. I will not let you go unless you bless me. I'm not about to turn you loose. It, I, mean, hurt, I mean, put a physical uh, difference in his body. I mean, touched his, where the the that place in his thigh shrunk up and made him walk different. And, and man, even because of that, they wouldn't even eat certain parts of the lamb anymore because of the way Jacob was affected by that. And, uh, and then changed his name and told him, said, man, you ain't the same anymore. It ain't, it ain't just about Jacob anymore. Israel, power. But you know why he got that power? Because he wrestled, he fought for it. He said, I'm, I'm not letting go till I get it. And uh, it's there. And what if that angel had said, hey, bud, keep wrestling with me. There ain't nothing here. I just dropped in to see what you was doing. I ain't got nothing. <laughs> My pocket's empty. Uh, he, he knew. He said, uh-uh, I know uh, that there's something here. And I, I'm not letting go till I get what you've got to offer. I, I'm, I'm going to get it. And so let me tell you, the promises of God are not empty. 
the promise of God are yea and amen, and they're established. They're exceeding great and precious promises given to us, and you might have to wrestle, and it might change your walk. Come on, somebody. It it might cost you some time. It might cost you some rest. (laughs) You know, the the angel was doing everything he could, and that was a last resort. Let's see if this will make him let go. It might be some things while you're wrestling might touch you, try to make you let go. But you'll say, do what you want to do. I ain't letting go. He didn't say, ah, that's it. Go, get out of here. But with that place changed in his life, that, that place changed in his walk, he said, I'll, I'll let go. Sometimes you're wrestling with the promise. And even it's a promise from God. Hello. And God said, I'm going to see if they really want it. And so let me, let, let, let's let this happen. Let's see what happens. Let's see if they let go, if they shoo me off, or if they keep hanging on. Hang on. Hang on with everything you got. Oh, I know this is, I'm, I'm wrestling with the angel. Of, this, I ain't wrestling with the enemy. I ain't wrestling with no devil. I'm wrestling with the Lord. And God, God is going to change me in this, and it might even cause me to walk a little different, but I'm not letting go till I get the promise. And that was the problem with Samson. That was the problem with Dan. That was the problem with these other five tribes that they just would not go and get the promise that God said they could have. I want to get what God's got for me. I want the promise. I want everything he's got for me. I, I, I don't want to shortchange it and be satisfied with something else. I just, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, I'll just take whatever you got. Let me tell you, somebody tells me, Hey, come over tonight. I'm cooking steaks. Man, I'm ready. I'm coming. If I get there and you're trying to give me some carrot souffle or something, where's the steak? If I order a, a hamburger at a restaurant and they, they bring me a ham sandwich, you know I'm going? Uh-uh. I, let me see the manager. I'm not leaving. I paid for a hamburger. I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to get what I want. Uh, I'm going to get what God's got for me. I'm going to get the problem. I'm not settling. Well, oh, 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 have a sandwich. That's good. I want that. I want that. that burger. I want, I want that. Yeah, I want, no, I want to be eating nothing. At this point right now, I don't want to see salad for a while. So let me tell you, I want, I want the meat. I want the steak. Uh, give you, you're about to, get, this about to be a wrestling match in here until I get my steak. Praise God. So Dan... The thing is, is Dan had somebody to challenge him. That's a a, a steep ledge to get on as a pastor, as a leader in the body because a lot of times people get offended when you challenge them. It's not like we're challenging your walk. We see the potential that we know you have. You know what Joshua knew? Hey, Dan... I already know because God told me, because Moses told us. I already know what's yours. What are you still doing here? Why are you just hanging out in your tents looking at the tabernacle? Why are you just sitting around just uh, complacent just to follow the rest of us? Why haven't you got up and got busy obtaining what God has promised you? And so how long are you going to slack? Oh, well, slack. So we, we feel bad. Somebody says we're slacking. I'm doing everything I can do. Mm. Are you? But are you? Really? Are you? Well, God promised it. Yeah, he did. 
Well, that song y'all was listening to the other day, somebody talking about going to go to work. Said, how are you going to go to work when you ask them where the couch at? <laughs> yeah. You, you mean, don't tell me how, how much you're going to work when you ask them where the couch is at. You ask me where the promise is at when you sit in your tent lick, licking that manna off your fingertips. Come on. Got to get up and get to it. And we all, every one of us, we need somebody in our life who will challenge us to be everything God has called us to be and to do all that God has called us to do. We need to be pushed outside of our comfort zone occasionally. And that is why God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God given for the perfecting of the saints. Ain't that what it says? Not to make you flawless, but to make you complete. So when you shut your ears to your pastor... When you're, if your pastor is nothing more than a preacher, you're just going, well, you'll suffer. Your walk will suffer. If you, if you can't listen to the God-given authority that he has placed in your life. Now, if, they out of, if they're out of character and they're trying to be a dictator and, and smack you down all the time, that's another thing. But when they are simply teaching you what the scripture says, telling you what God has said, and, and pushing you into you know what is supposed to be yours, and don't badmouth them, get mad at them, and walk out on them. You stick with them. You stay with them because, listen, they're trying to get you to where you need to be. Without that, if we don't have people like that, we will just be content to settle down right where we are. But God loves us too much to let that happen. He will send somebody or something to make you uncomfortable. And then how you respond will determine whether or not you obtain what God has promised. Moses compared uh, God's treatment to Israel after coming out of Egypt like an eagle that, that stirs up her nest. If you've ever heard that message by Brother Jeff Arnold, Disturbed into Your Destiny, and he, he, he talks about that scripture, but what he says is that eagle, when they lay those eggs, that nest is so soft, full of down and feathers and all the stuff that makes it so nice. And when they're first born, them little eaglets, man, they can't do anything, can't fend for themselves, just comfortable, nice, warm, nice, soft place. But when they get big enough and it's time to learn to fly, that mama starts ripping up everything out of that nest and all the sticks and the thorns and everything that hurts are poking them. So they won't sit down in the nest. Now they're up on the edge. They learn how to stand. And then how long after that, got to go. Yeah, they don't hit the ground, though. Because if they don't fly, daddy will catch them. Bring them back up, so we'll try again a little bit. And they keep getting slung off the ledge until they fly. But if they never flap, they'll never fly. And if they never get out of that down, if they never get out of the bottom of that, that comfort zone, they'll never fly. And that's what he said. This is the way God done them. He took them out of Egypt. He led them through the great and terrible wilderness where there were fiery serpents, scorpions. It was a thirsty land, and there was no water. What a wonderful passageway to the promised land. The promised land is like a, rain, it's a rainbow bridge going to the promised land, ain't it? That ain't no rainbow bridge. It's bitter water, hot desert, no food, ill people. Yeah, just all the just awfulness you could want all the way there. But Moses said it was so God could humble them that he might test them 
to do you good in the end. See, God's not trying to kill you. He's not trying to kill your spirit. He's not trying to stop your ministry. He's trying to get you to a place where he can do good to you in the end. He's trying to get you into what you should be. Our troubles are not evidence that God does not love us or that his promises are not true. But God uses our struggle to help us grow into the people who can obtain and occupy his promises. Our struggles will expose our weaknesses. Oh, you might as well go and admit you got weaknesses. And he uses that struggle to expose those weaknesses so that he can allow his grace to work in us, make us stronger. Paul had thorns in his flesh, but God said, my grace is sufficient. Paul began to realize in my weakness, I'm made strong. That's where I see the strength of God in my life. So if we allow this process to work in our lives, then only good will result in the end. In the book of Hebrews, the author there addressed believers that were enduring a great struggle. They were poor, persecuted, and even a few of them were tempted to return to the former practice of Judaism. That appeared to be a much more comfortable option than fighting to obtain God's promises. But then the writer urged them, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. If you want the promise, you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to have patience. Don't throw away what got you here. Don't throw away what, what called you out. Don't, don't walk away from those. Don't sit down on them. Don't bury those things. Don't, you, it, that has great recompense of reward. The New King James Version says, for you have need of endurance. Endurance. You, you, and the Bible says to endure hardness as a good soldier. And so we, we endure. He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Jesus said that. There's, there's something to be said about endurance in this walk. It's not just a, a, a you know, we always say a walk in the park. When we talk about how easy something is, well, let me tell you, living for God ain't no walk in the park. It's a walk on the straight and narrow, and uh, there are things that will test us all along the way. We must not settle for anything less than what God has said is ours. Why would you? A promise is worthless. It's worthless unless you take possession of it. It don't mean nothing. It's just like we've said about finding buried treasure. Buried treasure... You can buy a field, and I know it's there, okay? Let's see it. No, I ain't going to dig it up. You'll never profit from it. It's not buried treasure is no good as long as it's buried. And a promise is no good unless it's taken possession of. Uh, that's why Hebrews 6 and 12 tells us, Be not slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Be a follower of those who will obtain the promise. Find somebody that's on fire. Find, connect yourself with somebody. Uh, get somebody in your life that's, that'll push you and say, hey, get that promise. Get after it. Get to it. Get with it. Find what God's got for you. Don't lay down. Don't fold your hands. Don't take a nap on this. Serve God. Find what God's got for you. It takes persistence. Old-fashioned persistence to obtain the promises of God. Uh, Calvin Coolidge, a lot of you may remember who that is, know who that is, learned about him in school. He, had, he is credited with this quote, and it w- could apply to us in our pursuits today. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent won't, because nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. 
Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination are omnipotent. It takes persistence. The walk of faith is not just a leisurely stroll in the park. It's more like climbing a mountain. I remember Sister Phyllis and Sister Michelle saying, climbing up the rough side of the mountain. It takes that, climbing the mountain. And if we're going to get to the summit, then we're going to, hey, you'll be tempted to give up along the way. When we were just uh, in Colorado hiking and, and that slow incline, let me tell you, if they had been somewhere to stop about halfway up, I was about to be all for it. Because I'm telling you, with 55 pounds on your back, never hiking like that before, and thinking, I can do this. I realized how old I was going up through there and, and realized mm, how out of shape I was and thought it'd be so much easier. But boy, it was so beautiful when we got to where we were. It was, I think about that camp place all the time. It was so beautiful. But if we just stopped, I'd never seen it. If we'd have never went on up to that lake that was on the top of the mountain, a lake on top of the mountain. When you, were at, when you were at that lake, you felt like you were just on regular ground, but you realized you was at 14,000 feet or 11,000, one of those. Anyway, we was high. Let's go with higher. We was up there. And it's amazing that what you see as you go higher, the sights, the beauty, all the things. You know, we, got, we had good communication as we got higher. At our campsite, no reception. But as we were climbing to that lake that day, we stopped and I, and looks, hey, man, we got, we was calling all our loved ones. Hey, guess where I'm at? We just put them on FaceTime, showing them. Look at how beautiful this is. It's amazing uh, how things get better as you go higher. Praise God. Boy, I just love it. Love it so much. Uh, so we'll be tempted to, to just take the easier route and not get what God wants us to have. Oh, this is just easy. It's quick. It's easy. Let's do this. Quick and easy. It might be quick and easy now. But it might put a chain on you that holds you down the rest of your life. I want that. So what about Dan? How did Dan, you can come to the music, baby. How did uh, Dan respond to Joshua's challenge? And so here's what we learn in Joshua uh, later, 1947. It says, when the territory of the Danites was lost to them, then they settled in Leshem. They didn't get the land that was promised to them. They lost it. And so what they did was they took another place that they could, it was easier, and they could, they could win that battle. They won that battle, and they, they name it Dan after their ancestor. If you study geography, it will reveal that Leshem, which is also called Laish, was far north of where Joshua said they should be. They were not even where they were supposed to be. Something happened that caused them to lose what God said was theirs, and instead they wandered off and put roots down somewhere else. Instead of just getting the promise that God had for them, they go somewhere else, and then they attempt to deceive themselves by calling their new home Dan. You can rename it all you want to, but if you walk away from your promise... It'll never be what God had for you. It was really just a more convenient option than what God had commanded. And so what will our story be? Will we fail to occupy, occupy the place that God said belongs to us? 
Will we lose the benefits and blessings he said are rightfully ours or will we fight until we see the promise fulfilled? One writer said, we are not of those that draw back. I'm not trying to go back into something easier. Stand with me. As believers, we have been given exceeding great and precious promises. Peter wrote that. We have been endued, the scripture says, with power from on high. But what we do with those promises and how we use that power, that's up to us. But it's there. And like the servant in the parable of the talents, God will hold us accountable for what we do with what has been given. Just because you bury it don't mean God didn't give it. So we need to heed the challenge of Joshua. How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? We must not fool ourselves into accepting anything less than what God has said is ours. Let's lift our hands this morning and receive it now. I want the promises of God. Come on and talk to him this morning. Lord, I want your promises. I want everything you've got for me. I don't want to come up short, God. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray over this people today. God, that they will obtain every promise. Lord, everything you've given them, individual ministries, as children of the body, Lord, I pray that they will just have every single promise that you have placed in their life. That they will obtain everything, God. Not settle for less. I rebuke the spirit of complacency today. Let a fire be shut up in their bones. Let a hunger and a desire, like your servant Caleb, give me this mountain. Lord, let it be inside of them daily. I'm not going to settle for anything less, but I want every promise that you've got for me today, God. Praise his name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every promise today, God. Every promise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Children of promise. Children of promise. That's who you are. That's who you are. Get that promise today. Amen. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. Make up your mind. I'm going to get what's mine today. I'm going to get my promise. God bless you.